Thank you for joining us today on the Vision Church Podcast. Our mission is to lead people to Christ and help them live out God's vision for their life. Our teaching team has crafted a message that hopefully can encourage, inspire, and also challenge you on your walk. Make sure you subscribe so you never have to miss another episode, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Well, hey, Vision! Man, I got a word for us today, and uh, I appreciate guys speaking through Demario Davis. I didn't even know him before last week, and then a friend shared that with me, and then I showed it to somebody else, and some other people bragging on him say, yeah, that man, he loves the Lord. So some preaching to lay the ground for preaching. So I encourage you, if, uh, if you want to grab a takeaway card, it's in the chair back in front of you, you can grab a pen. If there's even just anything in this message that helps you, you jot it down, and it'll help you remember it. Because I want to ask you this, do you want a knock from God? Do you want some encouragement from him? Do you want some lifting from him? Maybe you want him to knock and help you with your battles. Because I come across people all the time, and they, they all say they need to knock from God. They're saying, God, I'm in this battle. I need to find you. I need to hear from you. So in this series, we're taking the majority of this fall and giving you tools and other resources to help you Hear from God in your battles. Now, last week, and if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and check it out. You can see it on YouTube or on Facebook. We started this thing out, and we talked about our identity. In fact, I got you the the bottom line from last week. I said, the first battle for me to win is understanding and embracing who God made me to be. I hope you spent some time thinking about that this week, because I know I did. I know when I get in situations where I start thinking, God, do I have what it takes God, am I really, am I, am I well enough to do this? Smart enough, strong enough, fast enough, whatever enough? And God says, wait a second, man. Why don't you understand who I made you to be and embrace who I made you to be? And I can win that first battle in my mind and say, okay, God, you are enough. And in fact, you know, in that song, when you said you are enough and therefore I am enough, what that is, is you plus God is enough. Amen. It is enough. So if you missed it, go back and check last week. The next couple weeks where we're going Next week, we're going to talk about the parting of the Red Sea. If you know anything about that story, if you've ever faced a situation that looked impossible, we're going to walk through the Red Sea. And then a week after that, we're going to see how the Jordan River, how it stopped. And let me give you a little sneak peek. Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about something called upstream blessings that you start praying and God's already working even before you can see it. It's a mentality. Evidently, in those next couple weeks, talking about water, guys, they talk about water because next Sunday we're also baptizing. So we got some things going on next couple Sundays I don't want you to miss. Today, if you have your Bible, we're still in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 12. We're talking about this guy, Abraham. This guy, Abraham, who his story was full of promised future blessings. And I love that concept because I think about the blessings that God was going to bless him in his family, bless him with resources and influence. In fact, if you know much about Abraham, man, there are even songs written about him. If you're older like me, you probably remember this. Father Abraham had many sons. Sing along. And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right hand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who remembers that song? I mean, those are good days. John Harding's like, we ain't singing that in my class. Uh-uh, man, that's, that's lame, Pastor Matt. Hey, it's, it's great when you get to your right hand, left hand, left foot, left foot, swing, swing. Whoo, but hey, seriously though, we're going to learn some things from Abraham today. This man who, uh, he was promised many blessings, and that is a good thing. 
Because God, he also wants to bless you. He wants to work in your life and knock. And I believe he has better blessings in store. But here is the challenge. If you truly want more blessings in your life, you have to be ready to steward them well. Because God doesn't want to give you a bunch of blessings, influence, resources, family, money, opportunities, and you're just going to hoard them right here. God doesn't want that. He's got a kingdom in mind. So when he looked at Abraham and said, okay, this guy, Abraham, he's going to be able to steward these blessings. This is what we're going to pull from his life today, today's bottom line. Don't miss it, but be challenged and encouraged by it that new levels of blessing are, are going to require new levels of refinement. New levels of blessing, you're like, yeah, are going to require new levels of refinement. You're like, oh, man, that, that, that sounds a little bit challenging, a little bit painful. No, you understand this. If you're going to give someone some resource, some influence, something to use, you want to know they're going to steward it well. Me and Meg knew this. We had three kids, and they got to age to be driving. We're not going to get them a car unless we know that they're ready to steward that blessing well. God's the same way with us. He looks at you and says, I want to take you to new levels, but to get there, I also need you to be ready for new levels of refinement. Now, with refinement, I got a little glimpse of this this week. I was at the gym. I was working out because I'm like, God, I believe if you want to do more in me, I need to be healthier. So I got to the gym and I was working out in my, you know, logo vision, visionary gear. And hey, if you want one of the sleeveless versions, buy a shirt, get some scissors, okay? That's all you got to do. <laughs> Cut those things off and you're good to go. You're right there at the gym working out. And somebody's like, man, you need some refinement. Like, what? What are you looking at? No, uh, but this, this next picture, I was, I was trying to find something like before and after. It's not of me, but of other people. And I was like, okay, that's going to be me, right? Like I could be refined like that. Maybe. Uh, but, you know, and you also think about other things in our world to get refined. Uh, I thought about, like, wood. Uh, my father-in-law is great with taking wood and refining or refinishing something. So it goes from, like, here, we're like, eh, to here, we're like, oh, that's really something. Or, um, you know, I have a couple different uh, corporate chaplain accounts I work at during the week, and one of them is at a galvanizing plant down in uh, Blacksburg, and they use zinc. And so they go down there, I talk to them, how does this all work? And they come up with, like, this whole thing. I'm like, we take the hydrofluoric particles and do this thing, whatever here, do whatever there. It's like, I don't get it. All I know is when I look at the kettle and I see liquid zinc, I'm like, that's cool, and don't let it splash on me. Because when you're refining zinc, it's super hot. And then the last picture is of refining gold. Oh, man, you think about that. When they take gold and heat it up so much and then scrape it off and heat it again to where you're taking it and refining it so it ends up in a much better state, that's what God wants to do in you. Because if you want to hear him knock and he says, hey, I got more blessings, go to a new level of blessing you first have to go to new levels of refinement. And let's go there together. Because in our life, we talk about fighting our battles. I think many of us all the time, there's a tension that truly we want more blessing. God, I, I want more wisdom. He's like, can, I, can, can you handle wisdom? God, I, I want more influence. God, I want, I want more purpose. God, I want more money. God, I want more friends. Whatever your thing is, God says, I know that's a battle for you. Let me help you fight your battle. So this guy, Abraham, his story uh, goes throughout parts of Genesis, and particularly in Genesis 12, when you look at verse 7, and you hear this phrase, even if you're new in church, if you're watching online and never been to church, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, the promised land. Whether you're like, hey, that businessman, that new salesman, he's taking us to the promised land, or our sports team. Come on, guys, let's rally together. We're going to the promised land. Well, that term started back in Genesis chapter 12, 
when God came to speak to Abraham, when he actually was called Abram. So Abram and his wife, Sarai, before they got their names changed, God came to Abram, said, Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And he looked out and there was like vast, beautiful land that was inhabited by enemies and it looked impossible. But God said, to your offspring, I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who'd appeared to him. Now say altar. Okay, remember that word. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Altar. But I'm going to give you four key words today out of the life of Abraham. And I believe if you could internalize them and truly live them out in your life, I think you can understand what it means. New levels of blessing, new levels of refinement. The first key word is human. Human. Because when you look at Abraham, don't you think, man, that's a superhero. I can never be like him. He's like in the hall of faith in the Bible, this superhero through the generations. No, no. Abraham was a human just like you. And in fact, I don't, I don't know how this works, you know, when, once people pass and go to heaven and who can see who and how that's going on. But this morning, I spent some time praying and thinking about this. I thought, my mom, if you remember my mom, she was definitely a, a chatty Kathy. Like she would go find people and talk to them. I wonder if my mom saw me this week preparing and she's like up in heaven, Abraham, Abraham, I know you're from like thousands of years ago, but my son is talking about you this morning. Let's sit together. And Abraham's like, I've heard about you, Victoria. And she comes and sits down. <laughs> and my mom's like, come on. Come on. And Abraham's like, yeah. And I'm like, Abraham was just a human, just like you. In fact, you read all of Abraham's story, you'll see he lied. His faith wavered at times. I mean, he, he was willing even to say, hey, hey, wife, Let's just pretend that you're my sister so they won't kill me, even if it means other guys are going to take you and sleep with you. Really? Really? He was a human just like us, made mistakes. He had another time where he, God had told him, your offspring is coming this way. And they were like, okay, what about through the, the, the servant, Hagar? And he made these mistakes. But don't you love the Bible? The Bible doesn't hide those mistakes, doesn't paint him as perfect. It paints him as a human being. So you can relate to this guy. In fact, you even look throughout the, uh, the New Testament and you see writings about him. Like in Matthew, he's in the genealogy of Jesus. So you talk about being real human, like literally his came through him and his family all the way down to Jesus. Or you look further in the New Testament in, uh, in Hebrews, it speaks of him in the hall of faith. And this one portion I love about him, listen to this, Hebrews eleven seventeen. by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, Offered Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. We'll go there. We'll get there at the end today. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So you see people writing many years later about Abraham. Paul even wrote about him a couple different times, Romans 4, 3. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Galatians 3, 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I want you to be known as the woman of faith. I want you to be known as the woman of faith. I want you to be known as the man of faith, that people would look at you and say, that, 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 that person, they're human, they make mistakes, but they are a person of faith. That's how Abraham was known. So his story in Genesis 12, it picks up, he's 75 years old, no kids yet. You're like, wait a second, God, 
I thought you made me a promise. How am I going to be the father of nations and take all this land with no kids? And so what I need you to do today is find where you're at in life and bring it up next to Abraham where you say, God, I, I need another level of blessing, but God, it's, it's not lining up. Like, what, what's going on? And, and I think what God's saying is from here to here, there takes refinement. And Abraham's in this season where he's still needing refinement. So we got this promise, and it takes us to keyword number two. Keyword number two is faith. Faith. And you're like, yeah, Pastor, man, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I'm, I'm sitting at church. I might even have the shirt or the Bible, whatever. I'm a person of faith. Don't miss this. Let me challenge you with this. You know, faith is measured by movement. Faith is measured by movement. Faith is not the person that says, God, I trust you. And God says, then go talk to that person over there who's lonely. And you say, no, I, I can't do that. Faith is when you say, God, I want to go get in those kids' lives and minister to them. God, I want to be used by you to bless somebody. God, I want to make a difference in my generation. And there's movement to your faith. It's not just, oh, wow. Those people that go out and do outreach at the church, that's really nice. I should do that one year. No, you pray and say, God, what do you want to do through me so that faith is evidenced in the movement in my life? And with Abram, here in chapter 12, I'll actually back up a little bit to verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, remember his name hadn't changed yet. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. What's happening right here is God is saying, Abram, I have a command for you, and I'm not going to give you all the details right now. I don't know if you've ever been in that spot. I have. God tells you to do something, and you're like, God, I need a little more information. God, I need a little more assurance. I need a little more of a plan. Now, Abram in verse 4 says, Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot, a family member, went with him. Abraham was 75 when he set out from Haran. Quite simply, God said go, Abraham had faith, and he went. Down to verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So understand what's happening here is the land that's been promised to him, it looks impossible. So whatever your situation is, and you feel like God's telling you something, God's knocking, but you're like, God, it's impossible. I can't do this. This is when you still act by faith and you trust Jehovah Jireh. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I'll give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who'd appeared to him. Down to verse eight. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, then you see again, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. What we see in his story consistently is that Abram, he lands in a place and before he does anything, he consecrates it for the Lord. Like he sets it apart for the Lord. He even builds an altar and says, God, this is where I'm meeting with you. God, this is where I'm bowing down to you. God, this is where I'm going to lay down whatever I feel like you're calling me to lay down and I'm going to dedicate myself to you in this moment right now. I'm going to challenge you. Do you have something like that in your life? Whether it's tangible in your office, in your truck, in your house, in your workplace, or somewhere you go and you say, God, this is my altar. This is where I meet with you. This is where I lay myself down, and God, this is where I need to hear from you. Because Abram models this, and you'll see throughout the message that his family catches it. They see that in him. So we go on to chapter 13. 
we see that Abram in this faith, this keyword faith, that he trusts that God will provide, even when God is blessing him and blessing his, his, uh, his relative Lot, so much so they need to separate. And Abram says, okay, Lot, you pick. Whichever way you go, I'll go second. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm a little bit controlling, saying, God, I'm going to follow you, but I need to control the steps. I need the first pick. Abram says, no, God, I'm going to release that and let Lot pick first. Down in verse 14, when Lot, the world is falling apart in Lot's life, the, the, the word comes, he needs help, and Abram's like, I'm there. I have the faith that, God, you'll take care of me so I can take care of Lot. You see consistently in his story, this key word of faith is lived out in him. And in, verse, in chapter 15, flip over to there. Then the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man, because Abram's freaking out. He's like, God, I haven't had a kid yet. Is this guy over here going to be my heir? This guy's not related to me? God says, no, this man won't be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside, and, and don't miss this. Abram was in his tent. How many times when you're talking to God is your view of him about as high as a tent? And God says, actually, let's step outside the tent for a minute. He says, okay. Abram walks out here. Look what God says. He says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. He said, Abram, this is how big your offspring is going to be. So what just shifted right there, if Abram let the refinement happen, is he shifted from seeing God about as high as a tent to seeing God as high as the universe. That's what God wants to do in your situation. If you will let him change your perspective, that's part of the refinement process. And then verse 6, right after that, it says, Abraham, Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Now, here's the challenge. Remember I said we start off, he was 75. We fast forward to where now he's 85. Still no kid. In fact, what he has now is he has a voice in his ear saying, okay, we got to find another way to do this. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a spot where you're believing by faith and it's not happening and other voices start getting in your ear saying, hey, do it your own way. Hey, do it a different way. Hey, try this way. When you hear from the Lord, you stay on that path and, and Abram didn't, which again shows the human side of him so that at 85 years old, his, uh, his maidservant, Hagar, he slept with her, got her pregnant, a baby is born, and God's like, that's not what I planned. That's not my best. That's not what I wanted. So Ishmael is born, grows up, gets to be around 12, 13 years old, and now still Abram and Sarah are like, wait a second, why isn't this happening? And I don't know if you've ever been in that spot where you're like, God, I really thought I heard you. I thought I heard that knock. Where are you at? Where's the answer? I promise you, God is still with you and God is still working. So at age 99, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He reaffirms his covenant with him and actually even gives him some more pieces to challenge his faith and says, actually, I want you to incorporate circumcision so that all the men, the kids get circumcised and Abraham's like, okay, wait a second. You gave Noah a covenant. He got a rainbow. I get a covenant. I do circumcision. Like, okay, what's up with that? So, but he's obedient. And in fact, that will lead us. Let me get to that keyword here in a minute. Um, these last, this last part of 18, when uh, Abraham and God are having these conversations and God says, Abraham, I promise you, you're going to have a kid. And Abraham in this humble posture, I believe he's down his knees, down his face, and there's some type of a laugh to it, like a God, 
are you really going to do this? Now, what's different is shortly after that, Sarah laughs, and God says, where's your face? I mean, you need to understand, God is measuring our heart all the time, because Abraham laughs, and God's like, that's okay. Sarah laughs, and God's like, wait a second, are you doubting me? Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. Now she's lying, and God's like, yes, you, you did laugh. But Abraham says, okay, God, we're still believing you in this. And in fact, we go down to keyword number three, which is obedience. So we've seen that Abraham is a human. He's not a superstar. He's a human. We've seen he's had faith. And now keyword number three is he's walking in obedience so that in chapter 21, we see the birth of Isaac. That indeed, Sarah, some around 90, gets pregnant. Abraham around 99, 100 years old, has this son. And then God, kind of in his irony, says, name him Isaac. Abraham's like, wait a second, that means he laughs. Okay, guys, remember every time we call our son name. You, you, you're poking, aren't you, God? And God says, yeah, I'm poking, but I also want you to remember that I'm with you. I'm your provider. So he names him Isaac. He circumcises him. There's the obedience. And then what's hard is Abraham, he sends away Hagar and his son Ishmael because clearly there's tension. This isn't supposed to be happening. God says he needs to go away. And Abraham's like, oh, God, this, this is tough on me. I love my son, but I need to send him away with Hagar. And God promises to take care of Hagar and Ishmael. But what we see in Abraham is this obedience, this refinement that's taken place in him. And it's a consistent pattern that God gives a command and Abraham obediently follows what God says. So before we go to the last, the last key word, I hope you're matching up with Abraham. You're saying, okay, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm a human. I'm, I'm like Abraham. Man, I, I try to have faith. I want to have faith. I want to grow in my faith. And maybe that obedience word, something you're like, oh, man, sometimes that's hard. But when, when I am obedient and I see God work, man, that, that feels good. That feels right. So I promise you, God's speaking to you now saying, okay, you're a human, you have faith and obedience. Keyword number four then is refining. It's the refining because we want to go to new levels of blessing. It's going to take new levels of refinement. Well, Abraham had grown so much since those early days, the early days of the, the wavering faith. The, hey, Sarah, just like go ahead and sleep with it. It's going to be okay. Just you sleep with them, but I, I'm, otherwise I'm going to die. Where's that faith? Or the Hagar and Ishmael situation. And Abraham had all these, these parts on his journey where he struggled. Well, now he's moved into a place where he's being refined. His faith and obedience is growing. In chapter 18, God speaks of him, the refining. For I've chosen him, he's speaking to Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he's promised him. Now, don't miss this. What's happening right here is God is looking at Abraham and saying, this man is in the refinement process. This man is changing, and now he's usable for what I want to do. And in fact, God says, people are watching him. His wife's watching him. His son Isaac is now watching him. His refinement is affecting other people's refinement as well. And this is where I got to kind of personalize it, that if you call Vision Home and you want to be a part of refinement processes here at our church, you know, one we've talked about for a couple weeks now is our foundations event that's coming up, where we don't just do like 
baby dedications. It's like, oh, nice and, nice and sweet. We have an event where you actually come in on a Saturday and you cast vision into your kids. We help you with that. And then we bring you on stage and say, we want to celebrate with you and walk with you to shape your children. That is your refinement process that you're modeling to your kids. Baptism, like Meg talked about, and you're like, oh, man, I might want to be baptized. It could be. I'm kind of nervous. Maybe I shouldn't. I, I did it years ago, but it really didn't matter. But now it does. If there's a wrestling you for that, you're going to help someone else on their journey. If you say, God, I'm, I'm ready to be baptized next week. I want to do that. You may inspire somebody else to get baptized. You may inspire somebody to come to know Christ because of the refinement process going on in you. So the final test. The final test in Abraham's life. And before I talk about the final test, I want to dis dispel two, two myths here real quickly. The first one is about tempting. Because testing and tempting are different, and God does not tempt you. Some people are like, oh man, God's tempting me with this. No, no he's not. Temptations will come from the evil one. Identify it. Fight it. Tests will come from your Heavenly Father. The other myth, and I hear this about once a week, particularly on the different chaplain accounts I go to, and someone's like, I'm going through stuff, but you know, oh, God's not going to put more on me than I can handle. Actually, God will allow you to have more on you than you can handle. Because if you could just handle it, you wouldn't need Him, first of all. But second of all, when Paul writes about grace, and he says, God, your grace is sufficient for me, because in my weakness then I'm strong. What you're saying is, it's too much for me to handle. And Heavenly Father, I need you to handle this. So don't ever get in a spot where you're, you're voicing those words, say, okay, well, God's not gonna put too much on me. There will be times in your life there is too much on you. And you need the Lord to walk you through it. That's what I believe happened in this final test. Flip over to chapter 22. In Genesis 22, when uh, Isaac's, uh, he's grown up. In fact, uh, there's different uh, perspectives on this. All the research I did, as best I can tell, people feel like Isaac was around 20 years old. You're like, wait a second. He calls him a boy. He calls him a lad. That actually was his terminology that day for speaking of a, a son in the family. So don't read this story and think, oh, you know, cute little Isaac, little five-year-old, little eight-year-old, walk with his dad. He's around 20. What's important in, in knowing with that is that Isaac then, he had free choice. What you're about to hear in this final test, Isaac had a choice to divert and go away from it. So pick it up in chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Okay, now if you're like me, you read this, and words that come to my mind are like, say what? God, you, you're saying what? God, I waited for decades for this child. Tears, desperation, waiting for Isaac, and now you say you want me to climb up on a mountain and sacrifice him. Say what? Okay, here's how this connects with you today. If you're in your life situation, let's, let's say you're single, you're like, God, I'm waiting on you. Uh, I'm keeping myself pure. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on you, and I'm, I'm dating this one. They're, 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 they're pretty good. They could be the right one. And God says to you, break up with them. 
You're like, say what? God, I'm, I'm trying right here. Say what? Or, or what if your situation is uh, you're at a job and you're like, okay, God, this is probably in the best place for me, but I'm just going to gut it out and just make it. And God says, you know, you need to go in and put in your two weeks tomorrow. Like, say what? God, where am I supposed to go? What's supposed to happen? God says, I'm refining you. Are you going to be obedient? Or this is where it comes to you listen for God. Maybe God's saying that you need to buckle down and hang in there because that's where I need you. Say, what? God, I need to leave there. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a, a somewhat generous person. You say, God, I, I love you. I, I tithe. And God says, you know, I want to take you to another level of blessing. But to do that, you need to go find that person over there who looks like they're in need, and you need to give them $1,000. You're like, say, what? Say what? Or maybe he's like, yeah, that person, you heard about the need, their car broke down, and you need to give them your car? Say what? Give my car? This is you and Abraham right here in your refinement. Let's see where the story goes. Because in that say what moment, Abraham could have been like, nope, nope, I'm keeping my son. There's got to be another way. But in fact, in verse 3, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. That is obedience. That is refinement in Abraham's life. And in, in his say what moment, he obeyed. Well, it definitely is tied into faith because in verse 5, he's got these servants with him. He's got Isaac with him. He said to his servants, hey, you stay here with the donkey while me and my boy are going to go over there, we're going to go up on that mountain, and we're going to be back. Wait a second. God just said you're going to go up on the mountain and sacrifice your son. And Abraham's like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but God's got this. He's got this. Well, Isaac is a sharp enough guy. And if he's 20-ish, he's done a lot of thinking in his life. He's done a lot of watching his dad. He's seen a lot of altars. He's seen a lot of faith. And Isaac knows, especially when you have an altar, that there's got to be a sacrifice. So Isaac asks him, you know, where's, uh, where's the animal for the offering? And in verse 8, Abraham answers, God himself will provide. Didn't we just sing about that, our provider? And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them went on together. And how different now? How different Abraham, he's not uh, Sarai, just pretend you're, you're my sister. Hagar, let's just sleep together and find a way. Abraham now is walking as a refined man saying, okay, son, we're heading up this mountain and God will provide. He is marching up that mountain. They get up there. They build an altar. Verse 9, you see it. He builds an altar and asks you this, how many times has Isaac seen his dad build an altar? He knows what the altar is about. He knows it is a man of faith that builds an altar and says, God, you're here. This is a holy moment. I think Isaac's watching his dad saying, Dad, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I trust you. I trust you. So Isaac, may have never thought about this before, but Isaac is also being refined in this process. His dad certainly is, but so is Isaac. In verse 22, in chapter 22, verse 12, when Abraham is ready, he's laid his son down, he's tied him up, he's got the knife. Angel of the Lord comes, says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him, because now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. And this is so cool. 
Because in verse 13, Abraham sees the solution that there's a ram over here in the bush. Think about this. This ram, I believe, came from the other side of the mountain and was walking up the mountain the whole time that Abraham and Isaac were walking up the other side. Abraham didn't know it. Some angel, I don't know how it works, an angel's like leading this ram. Come on, get up the mountain. Ram's like, like I don't know. He doesn't know what's happening. He's following this angel up the mountain. Gets to the top of the mountain to where somehow, I guess, the angel is standing in front of him. In fact, the angel's like, because a ram stuck in a bush is not quiet. But it is a holy moment with this ram to where finally, when Abraham passed that final test, the angel steps away and says, let's just watch. And Abraham's like, Isaac, look what God provided. And he goes, he takes the ram, replaces it where his son was, and God's solution is there. So for you, if you're that single person, you're like, God, I need to find that ram. I need to. And God's like, they're there. You just can't see them right now. You're saying, God, how, how am I going to find the job, the career? God says, hang on. I know where it's at. I know how you're going to find it. You're like, God, the money isn't working. It's not happening. God says, just obey me. Trust me in that. I've got it taken care of. And in verse 14 of that chapter, it simply says, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. He personalized Jehovah Jireh. He had lived it out as a part of his refinement process. And I believe now, again, back to our bottom line, he was going to new levels of blessing because he'd gone to new levels of refinement. And I hope that that sparks something in you, something interesting. You say, God, I want to live that out. I want to be like that gold that gets refined and skimmed and refined and skimmed to where now it's amazing. That's what God wants to do in you. That really is how God helps you fight your battles. When you're struggling, you're saying, God, I need your help in this. And God says, I'm with you. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Let me refine you. All right, let's pray together. So God, I thank you that this story of Abraham, and I don't mean story by fictitious, I mean that this is a historical account that happened of a man many years ago. And that God, you worked in the life of Abraham, this human, this man of faith and obedience and refinement. And God, you want to do that in us as well. That as we fight our battles, you're there with us every step of the way, God. And so, God, in this moment, whether someone's in, in person or watching online, God, I want to give people a chance to know you personally for the first time. So if you do hear my voice, anyone here online, and you want to know God personally, here's how you do it. You pray and say, God, I admit I'm a human like Abraham, sinful, struggling, marked. I am, God, and I need a change. God, I'm believing what Pastor Matt's saying. I'm believing that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, the only way to heaven. I want to know Jesus personally. I choose to accept him as my savior. I choose to follow him as my leader. And so if you've accepted him for the first time today, I encourage you to raise your hand. Say, yes, today is my day. Today is my day to know Jesus personally. God, I thank you for 
new lives in Christ. And thank you, God, for each of us that we want to be a place in our lives, God, where we are at new levels of blessing, where we have this fulfillment, contentment, peace that comes, God. We know you better. We're walking with you. And God, refine us so we can get there. The refinement is that many times it's challenging, but God, you promise that it is so rewarding to walk with you and let you refine us so we can be your stewards of blessing for your kingdom's sake. So God, I thank you that you are the same God that you were with Abraham. You're the same God to us. You haven't changed over the years. You're still dependable. You're still Jehovah Jireh. You love us. So God, please continue to pour into us and pour through us that we be your kids that are refined for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Vision Church podcast. We hope that you were able to experience God in a real and powerful way today. If you just made the decision to accept Jesus, then congratulations. We would love to celebrate with you. Visit viz.church salvation and we would love to meet you along with mailing you a free gift. We would also love to have you join us for church in person or on the Vision Network this Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head on over to viz.church RSVP to let us know you're coming. As always, we are here for you and we would love to pray for you in any way that we can. Send us a DM on Instagram at viz.church and a team member will be in touch shortly. Thanks again for joining us and God bless.